Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. I remember reading somewhere about two things that make for effective preaching, that is preaching that works, you know, what makes a good sermon good. Well, biblical faithfulness must definitely be there in the sermon, otherwise it's a waste of time listening to someone preach. If they're not being faithful, if they're not being true or accurate to God's word, why waste precious moments of your life that God gives you and me? I mean, life's too short, really, to waste it on the words of people. Even if the speaker is captivating or funny or relevant, no, give me the word of God any day over that. So biblical faithfulness must be a key ingredient for a sermon to rightly be classed good. The second ingredient for effective preaching needs to be insightful application. I mean, we are dealing with, after all, a living word that is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to cut and penetrate deep into our hearts and our minds and our souls. So biblical faithfulness must be linked to or intertwined with insightful application. So a basic goal I have each time I write and record a Meals Maturity Bible Talk is to put before us God's Word in a way that will help impact our lives for Jesus' glory. Now, to give you a short sermon that allows God to speak directly into your life, to either save sinners or sanctify saints, whoever you are. But one challenge I have, however, in preparing these Bible talks is that I don't know you or your life situation. That is, I can't see you, you can't see me, I don't really know the best way to provide you with that insightful application, unlike preaching at my church, for example. So that's a disclaimer for these Bible talks. And that's why these uh, Meals for Maturity sermons need to come second to your own pastor's preaching. Your own pastor who, of course, knows you best and who can offer that insightful application like no other preacher can. But still, my prayer is that these Bible talks, that they can be effective preaching as I strive for biblical faithfulness and insightful application as best as I possibly can. Well, I'm not sure if you like digging in your backyard for hidden treasures, or maybe you have children who desperately want a metal detector for Christmas. Well, imagine the surprise of Gabriel Barquet when he dug up some hidden treasure. This is way back in 1979. Though you might have expected it if you knew this guy and where he was actually digging. While excavating a burial tomb in Jerusalem, as you do, uh, Uni of Tel Aviv archaeologist Gabriel Barquet dug up, or uncovered I think is the proper terminology, he uncovered the oldest known copy of some Old Testament scripture lines. How special that would have been. This archaeologist discovered two silver amulets dating back to the 7th century before Jesus, which is about four centuries before the dating of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is not talking about bread from baker's delight, but the biblical records of the Old Testament scrolls that we have. So Gabriel, the archaeologist, like, of course, Indiana Jones, uh, they, he worked out that his hidden treasure was indeed very special when he and others deciphered what the amulets had written on them. You see, written in Hebrew were the words from the end of Numbers chapter 6. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh cause his face to shine on you and grant you peace. That's not bad to dig up that blessing. That's not bad to have that blessing worn around your neck at one point in time. See, tucked away in the book of Numbers, 
is one of the most famous and well-recited passages of the Bible, both for, for Jews and for Christians. We know it as the Aaronic blessing, and it's our focus for this Meals Maturity talk. So let's hear it read uh, by Hannah. She's going to read in English. She could have read it in Korean. Uh, she might have struggled reading it in Hebrew. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Well, let's have a few observations before we unpack it and apply this uh, little passage as Jesus' people. It directly follows this section that we saw last time on the Nazarite vow, perhaps to show us that it's not just those who take that special Nazarite vow who will be blessed. No, this is for all of God's people to benefit from. This is a blessing for all Israelites. And it's given to God's people before they start out on their big journey to the promised land. So it's in this section of their travel plans and preparations. Remember, God's people are, are camped around Mount Sinai. They're rescued, redeemed out of Egypt, out of slavery. And now they're about to journey forward with God as their guide and protector. He wants them to be and act like his holy people. So what better way to start out on your journey than to have this prayer of blessing over you? Whenever we go on a long journey, we make sure we pray as we start the car. We did this when our children were growing up and my wife and I continue this tradition whenever we have a driving holiday. It's a good tradition to have and it's one that is echoed in Numbers chapter 6. One final thing to know about this short passage before we dig deeper like an archaeologist to uncover some wonderful truths. One final thing is that Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 to 26 is rich in poetic form and crafting. In the Hebrew language of this short prayer, Notice the numbers in numbers. Three times the name of God, Yahweh, is mentioned. So it's repetition of God's covenant name for his chosen, chosen people. And if you were to take out, of, take out God's name from this little prayer, we're left with just 12 words, perhaps an intentional reference to the 12 tribes of Israel that are about to start wandering in the wilderness. This is, of course, the book of Numbers, so it's no surprise that Numbers might play a part. And because of my accounting heritage, these sorts of things excite me. But perhaps more exciting, though, or more significant, is that God, Yahweh, the rescuing, redeeming God of Israel, stands at the centre of this prayer of blessing. We have six clauses, or six verbs, in this prayer, and God is the main player in all this action. So Yahweh will bless he will keep, he will make his face shine, he will be gracious, he will lift up his countenance, he will give his people peace. Yahweh is the source and the focus and the centre of this blessing. God will be with his people as they start out on this journey. His tabernacle says, God will dwell with you. This Aaronic blessing says, God will abide with you. Let's dig a little deeper. Verse 22 and 23, the Lord speaks to Moses, who then is to speak to Aaron, his brother, along with his sons. Aaron, as the high priest, is to pronounce this blessing, this beatitude over God's people. 
The God who promises to dwell with them, symbolic, of course, in the tabernacle, promises to not just be present with his people, but to be rich in blessing toward them. Verse 24 shows us the first movement of God toward his people. He is the one who does the moving. Yahweh will bless and keep them. So blessing and preserving is the key idea here. To be blessed by God is perhaps the ultimate blessing. To have the creator God pour down his favour and goodness and kindness upon you, it doesn't really get any better than that. Jacob certainly knew that in Genesis 32. Remember that strange story when Jacob wrestles with God or the angel of God and then he says, I will not let you go until you blessed me. Well, God has already blessed his people by this point in the Old Testament storyline. Think about it. Genesis 1 and 2 opens with God blessing humanity. And now Israel have been blessed with some of the promises of Abraham coming to fruition. They've been blessed with God's provision coming out of Egypt. They've been blessed coming out of slavery. They've been blessed by the giving of God's law to them and the provision of priests and sacrifices allowing them to approach their holy God. And now the promise is that God in his kindness will continue to, his kindnesses will be continued to be poured out upon them. And specifically, we're told he will keep them, that is, preserve them as they wander in the wilderness. To keep his people is to watch over their safety, for they will face enemies on this journey. To keep his people is to shelter, uh, to provide for them, to not slumber or sleep as Israel travels, even as they slumber and sleep and stumble in the desert. Psalm 121 is often a favourite of many people. You know Psalm 21, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And later in this short psalm, we actually hear echoes of the prayer of blessing from Aaron in Numbers 6, using the word keep or the verb keep six times in the psalm to cover a whole range of our journeys under God. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your going out, your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Read Psalm 121 sometime to remind you of what this keeping of God looks like over your life and mine. Duncan Matheson was a Scottish evangelist back in the 1800s and he wanted just one word put on his tombstone, the word kept. See, he understood Psalm 121. He understood what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, that our inheritance can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for all those trusting in the Lord Jesus. Duncan Matheson, you see, understood that our great creator God is also our keeper who will not let us go. Not that I wish to be morbid, but could you be like Duncan Matheson and have that word kept? associated with you on your tombstone. Well, here in Numbers, as you start out on this journey in the wilderness, what great comfort there is to know that Yahweh will bless and he will keep you. Well, line two of this prayer, verse 25, keeps building on this picture of God's constant care, his keeping, his watch over his precious people. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
This is, of course, an anthropomorphism, which is a word you can throw around at a party, I know. Uh, it just means the Bible writers often use human traits and descriptions to get across what God is like. So the Bible will talk about God's mighty right hand or, his, or God's feet or his eyes or his ears. Here it's a reference to God's face, which we can understand even though God is spirit. And how great of the New Testament to bring us God with a human face in the person of the Lord Jesus. For God to have his face shine upon you and me is to be favourable toward you. Sometimes across the Bible we're told that God hides his face from his people. He withdraws his presence from them, implying that God is angry at someone. So Psalm 13 verse 1, David cries, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Or Psalm 104 verse 29, When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Well, here in Numbers chapter 6, it's the opposite. God promises to smile upon his people. His face will shine like the warmth of the sun on a Canberra cold winter's day. This line of verse 25 is uh, filled out even more with the promise of this blessing, for God will be gracious to you. Here's a reminder of the fundamental aspect of the God of Israel, which of course is repeated multiple times across the Old Testament. You know the line, the Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and grace, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Well, stop for a moment and realise the timing of this prayer to be spoken by Aaron. Just a few weeks earlier, in the Bible story, this guy, Aaron, is dancing and prancing around with the rest of the Israelites in idolatry with a golden cow, while his brother Moses is up the mountain meeting with God and getting the Ten Commandments. And then we're told in Exodus 32, verse 24, what I think is one of the best lines in the Bible, and I think it's meant to make us laugh. Remember where Aaron tells Moses what actually happened when all the Israelites just gave him some gold? And then Aaron says to Moses, and I threw the gold into the fire and out came this calf. And so we just so happened to worship this golden calf. Well, now, a few weeks later, we have Aaron praying that God will be gracious to his people, slow to anger. I mean, God's already shown that graciousness to Aaron and to the rest at the base of Mount Sinai a few weeks earlier. Well, as you start out on, on your wilderness journey, you will have God's face glowing, not glaring, though that will happen from time to time, as we'll find out. And through your journey, God will be gracious to you, even when you are undeserving. Now, in a similar vein is the next line, verse, six, uh, verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's a fancy word, countenance. It's the same word used earlier for God's face. It's just showing us that God's attentiveness, his approval, will be focused on his people as they journey. Now, if you have little children, you'd know that they would want your, they want your countenance lifted toward them as they play or they build something out of Lego or they do a drawing or they make a mess preparing something on the kitchen bench. They'll say, Mum, Dad or, or Grandma, Grandpa, look at me, look at me. See, they want your attention. They want your countenance. They want your approval. 
for us uh, at home here, we have a kitten now and she's constantly pining away for our countenance to be focused solely on her. She's like the queen in our home. I call Leslie, my wife, her slave. Well, that's the last word. Uh, the last word in this prayer after God's countenance is upon them is at the end of verse 26 and it's a word peace and it's rich in meaning. The Hebrew word is, of course, shalom. Unfortunately, our English word peace doesn't quite capture everything that shalom is getting at. Shalom, peace, is a, is a picture of wholeness, wellness in spirit, body and mind. You, you're prosperous, you're full of harmony, tranquility. There's a fullness of life, uh, a life that's safe and secure. It's no accident, of course, that the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, is called Prince of Peace. And he will give us a peace or a shalom that the world can never offer, especially peace with God. Jesus tells us, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. So shalom all your days. Well, in the final verse, verse 27, we read, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The promise is that God will put his gracious name on his people as they journey. This is a remarkable conclusion. Yahweh will identify with his people as they travel. His marking will be on them and he will mark them not with a brand but with a blessing and they will carry his name before the nations. They will represent him to the world. Over the years here in Canberra we've had many diplomats from overseas come to our church and fellowship for a period of time. They carry with them the name of their country, especially their political leaders. And it's a weighty task to have the name of your country over you. Uh, you're representing them to the nation that you happen to be in. That's the picture we're given here, as God assigns his mighty name to his people. Well, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 to 27, is such a rich blessing to have pronounced over you as you pack your family up, as you water your camel, as you prepare to travel home to the promised land. But do you realise that this side of the cross and the empty tomb, we're actually even more blessed than the ancient Israelites could ever dream of. We're more blessed than the archaeologist Gabriel Barque, as he digs up this prayer of blessing around 40 years ago. Because we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that every spiritual blessing is now ours in Christ Jesus, if you've embraced the gospel of all grace. We're told in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, since we have been justified, made right by faith, we now have peace, shalom, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament tells us Jesus is our peace revealed. He gives us peace. He is our peace, our shalom. So as we journey on, as the Israelites did, as we journey by faith and travel home to our eternal dwelling, may you know this prayer of blessing in an even richer, deeper way. Sometimes this prayer of blessing is prayed over a child or a baby at their baptism. Well, the gospel tells us that is a perfect prayer to pray. For far from being irrelevant today, this ancient blessing from Numbers 6 
is in fact all the more true, all the more meaningful, all the more precious to those who are found in Christ. And in many ways, across the New Testament letters, we have this reworking, as it were, of Numbers 6 in its most simplified form. Remember, as various New Testament writers remind us of, the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, because of the gospel, God's face, his countenance, is shining upon us. So keep travelling home by faith with a thankful heart and maybe keep an eye out for any hidden treasures that you might happen to dig up in your garden. Until next time, may God's face shine upon you and keep you and bless you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.